This podcast is part of the Michigan Sports and Entertainment Podcast Network. Go to michigansportsandentertainment.com for more great podcasts. You know who I can do without? I can do without the people in the video store. Which ones? All of them. This is Massive Late Fee with Mike and Mark. Welcome back to Massive Late Fee. My name is Mark. With me as always is Mike. How are you doing, Mike? I am doing fine. How about yourself? Good. We've had a, uh, a good week here at Massive Late Fee. I've been doing some spring cleaning. The house is spick and span now. Is that racist, spick and span? I'm not going to touch that one. <laughs> but I am I'm happy that the house is clean and span News this week is dominated by the juggernaut known as Avengers Endgame, which set a record, destroyed a record for its opening day, about $150 million in its opening weekend worldwide. It grossed over a billion dollars. It's possible that it could take down Avatar as the most profitable film of all time it certainly has a chance depending on what it does next week i know that it was a the you know avengers infinity war was a cliffhanger so that may have brought a bunch of people in the opening weekend and fueled a lot of this and it it might have a steep drop next weekend we we will have to see mike (laughs) i'm gonna ask this question even though i absolutely know the answer did you watch Avengers Infinity War? Oh, yeah, I did. It was an adrenaline-fueled thrill ride. It made a Citizen Kane look like a piece of shit. <laughs> uh, I saw it. If um, this doesn't win Best Picture, I'm not watching the Oscars anymore. <laughs> I saw it. It was... Uh, I, I thought it was good. You know, it, it's definitely good for one of these movies. I didn't think it was as good as Infinity War, the first the first one. The Infinity War had a very cohesive and structured narrative, and this one is much more of a hodgepodge. You know, Mike, are you a fan of Back to the Future Part Two? I do like the second one, yes. Because back to the because this is basically Back to the Future Part Two. But really bad. For uh, for those of you who haven't seen it, don't listen to this. But for those of you that have seen it, you know what I'm. You know. Uh, no, no. If you haven't seen it, listen because you're not going to watch it at this point. It's like a fucking thirty year old movie by this point. Yeah, that's true. But uh, no, no, I don't mean Back to the Future Part Two. I mean this, this uh, Avengers Endgame. I wouldn't recommend that one either. <laughs> but anyway, so they they basically go through old Marvel movies. They do Thor the Dark World, which is one of the worst ones. They do the original Avengers, and they do Guardians of the Galaxy. And then they do something else, too. But uh, they they go through all the... It's it's different than Back to the Future Part 2 in the fact that they're not just kind of reusing old footage of Crispin Glover because he doesn't want to be in the movie, opening themselves up for a lawsuit. But I do, Wouldn't I, it be great if they did put Crispin Glover in this? I know. It would have been awesome. Or his likeliness. It would have been awesome if they just if they just cut to that same clip of just him <laughs> dancing. Just at some <laughs> random point. But they go they go through all the old movies because they have to recollect the infinity stones from different time periods. 
in order to stop Thanos. That's one section of the movie. It's almost like it's different movies, but that's one section of the film where, you know, they, they pack all the nostalgia in basically. And the rest of it, they, it's kind of free from the rest of it, which is nice. There's one scene that sort of bothers me, but it doesn't bother me the way that it bothers misogynists. Um, there's one scene in the final battle where all the, the female superheroes happen to land or be in one area and they start uh, attacking Thanos and the way it's shot, you know, it's, it's shot with them all kind of coming together, the, all the female superheroes. And it's so, it's so heavy handed. I, I know what they're doing. I have no problem with there being female superheroes in this universe. And I have no problem with, you know, them being cool and kick ass and everything else. And I like a lot of them, but from a filmmaking perspective, it's just like hitting you in the face with a hammer. Because <laughs> they just oh, they just all happen to be on that battlefield at the same time, right at that spot, and then they start attacking. But I get what they're trying to do, and I have no problem with it. And if they want to put all of them in a movie, which they keep apparently teasing, just fucking do it. Stop have a heavy-handedly pointing out, oh yeah, there's all there's a bunch of women here too. Just so you guys know, we're we're inclusive. There's a bunch of women right on the screen all together. Just put them in a movie together. But uh, spoilers for everyone: uh, Iron Man dies, Captain America becomes old, and Black Widow dies, and Gamora comes back and kind of doesn't come back too. She's taken from a different dimension, but I think she was put back in the, that dimension. So I don't know. I think the next Guardians of the Galaxy. You you've watched Guardians of the Galaxy, right? You like that series? No. Oh, I thought you did. I thought that was the one nope. that you did like. No, I don't like any of them. I've tried a couple of them. I, I can't get like more than like 20 minutes into the movie without turning it off. Like I tried to f- pick up where I left off on Infinity War, you know? Mm-hmm. So I like I like was like live tweeting it like a few months ago, but it was just so bad I had to turn it right off. It's it's they're very bad movies. I don't understand why people like them so much. I think they're good from a filmmaking perspective, some of them anyway, but I know why I know why you don't like them. And and it's hard, especially with, with something like Infinity War. If you haven't seen any of the other movies, it's just gobbledygook. They don't care about people like you anymore. They the feeling st- is mutual. They stopped caring about people that haven't watched uh, the other the other movies. At this point, it's like uh, a extended TV series where they're just in two hour installments, six months apart from each other, or in this case, three hour installments. But it was. I don't a, think I'd want to watch any movie for three hours. It was a good movie. It wasn't as good as uh, some of the other ones, in my opinion. But on to non-Marvel news. The Child's Play, the Child's Play re- reboot, came out with a poster today, where it shows Chucky having killed Woody from Toy Story Four. Which is the only killing that that movie is going to be doing of Toy Story 4. Because I'm pretty sure Toy Story 4 is going to destroy it at the box office. Although, I'm sure there will people there will be people that want to see this Child's Play movie. Do you have any interest in this movie, Mike? No, um, even the original I didn't think it was all that good. And the sequels are just really bad. So, I mean, why would you, why would you even do a reboot or remake or whatever the fuck of that? I mean, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I don't know. I, uh... I, if you're making Uncle Buck, why would you do it? Exactly. It should be Uncle Buck's Child's Play. 
great. Uh, but um, yeah, we're gonna give those people ideas now. They're gonna the next reboot is gonna be one of the the little kid that Macaulay Culkin played has a child's play doll. Uh, but anyway, I didn't like any of the sequels either. The original one I thought was creepy, but that was probably because I think I was nine when I saw it in the theater. Yeah, that would make sense. I saw it when I was probably in my teens. It was just like, yeah, I don't understand the big, you know, deal over this movie. Yeah, and after that, you know, I've revisited it after that, and I'm and I've said to myself, why did I ever? Why was I ever scared of this movie? And just because just I was nine, basically. Um, yeah, that's usually the worst when you revisit something you once liked a lot. Oh, yeah. Like, uh, what the hell was it? Like, uh, I think it was like the um, the X Men like TV series from the nineties. Oh like, yeah. I don't know if you ever watched that. I did. So a couple years ago, my friend Matt. We go for years ago. My friend Matt and I went to watch it. And I'm like, oh my god, it's like the worst fucking show ever. It's, I mean, how would you even like that as a child? Yeah, it, that that really does suck. Uh, I know I'm gonna piss off a lot of people out there, but the Goonies guys does not hold up. Yeah, I didn't see that movie till I was like in my twenties. I never thought it was good to begin with. If you still think that movie is good, it's either because you haven't seen it since you were a kid, or you're fooling yourself because it doesn't hold up at all. But uh, sad news: John Singleton passed away uh, at fifty-one years old. Unfortunately, that's seems to be somewhat common in the black community to pass away in you know the 50s they black men tend to have shorter lifespans than a certain other races i think partially because they may be more physiologically prone to uh, heart disease and vascular disorders and partially because medicine has never been i mean in the past Medicine was never made specifically with black people in mind, and so you're so you're stating that medicine is for us and also by us. records. <laughs> Apparently, yeah. At least it used to be that way. I think there have been changes recently where they have now started to take, uh, you know, different genetic predispositions into into account when it comes to african-american people but you know unfortunately for that population just another uh just another example of that you know their needs not really being met as far as medicine goes but yeah it's it's unfortunate uh i don't know how many of you out there have seen the movie boys in the hood uh you you should it's it's a really good powerful film um I enjoyed it a lot. Mike, Mike, have you seen it? Yeah, I really like that movie. I think I saw it a few years No, I saw it in society again a few years ago. But that's mm-hmm. like a, a perfect like, zeitgeist of that era. You know, it's like a South Central uh, Los Angeles uh, youth is sent to live with his father. His parents went together. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's like it's like a perfect, you know, like kind of timepiece of that, of that era. And John Singleton was, you know, a great director, a great writer. So he will definitely. Yeah, be he was he was nominated for an Academy Award for directing and writing that movie when he was twenty three years old, which is still a record. Yeah, insane. I mean, Orson, how old was Orson Welles when he did Citizen Kane? Twenty six. Okay, so even he was older. Wow, I thought. I mean, he was like a boy genius. I mean, geez, John Singleton was out of college for two years, maybe. Yeah. 
Yes. Yeah, if that, because I think he went to grad. I think he went to. I don't know he went to film school. I don't know if he went to like graduate school or what. But yeah. Yeah, I think I think maybe he was about a year, one year out of college. I think when he started making that film. It was. I was trying to. So it was. It's kind of weird to see him. Like I don't really know of any other movies by him. And I looked it up, and I guess he did the Shaft remake a few years ago with uh, Samuel Jackson. Yep. And he did like a lot of like TV type stuff, but there's something else like oh, it was a movie my wife likes, Poetic Justice. He also directed that. Mm-hmm. that I haven't seen that, but that, there's a joke in "Don't Be a Menace" referring to that. Yes, that's right. That uh, that shaft. Oh no, remake that's is, Jason's lyric. That shaft remake is kind of underrated, I think. Is isn't is Christian Bale the bad guy? Oh, I'm trying to remember. I think he might be. Yeah. Yeah, cause like, I mean, he, he makes a good villain, Christian Bale. I mean, as seen in American Psycho or behind-the-scene footage on uh, Terminator. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's just like, you know, I mean, I don't know why he hasn't played more bad guys. He's good at it. It's kind of weird that, like, it's almost, like, less lucrative to play the good guy, I guess. Or to play the bad guy, I guess. Yeah, I suppose. But he is, he is very talented at it. Yeah, though, some people, like like Jonathan Lithgow, like, especially in the Dexter series, he's really good at it. Yeah, and sort of unexpectedly so, at least for me, because most of the things that I've seen him in have been more comedic and lighter or kind of, you know, serious roles, but not a not a bad guy. Yeah, he's really good in Dexter, though. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, but I, I haven't seen that. I, I, I didn't even see the original Shaft. I saw, um, like, in that kind of genre, I saw Superfly, which was okay. Mm-hmm. I, can't, I saw a couple other like those like soul movie type thing. I think that's what they call the genre. And like, uh, eh, I mean, I could take them or leave them. But I mean, I like the movie that was influenced by it a lot, Jackie Brown with uh, Pam Greer. You know, that's really good. So if they're all more like that, maybe I'll watch more. But I don't know. Yeah, they're they're hit and miss, obviously. Uh, but I think John Singleton was talented enough to sort of capture a little bit of that like black exploitation um, flavor but also bring something new to it and something more 90s to it as well. Yeah, that's, I mean, I like Samuel Jackson, but I just, I'm, that's just not a movie that interests me at all. Yeah. I mean, you know, I feel about remakes. Oh, yeah. But yeah, it's a, I mean, he, I think he had a stroke last week, John Singleton, and then um, his uh, family took him off life, life sport like yesterday, and then the same day he, he had passed away, so he must have been in pretty dire straits as it was. That's really rough for everybody. Yeah, it was the same same kind of thing as Luke Perry, uh, and and I think they might have been the same age. They're close. I think Luke Perry was fifty two for some reason. Yeah, I know. And I, I think know John Singleton was fifty one. Yeah, it's pretty close. But yeah, I, I was reading something like his family said it might have been like a, something to do with that he had like high blood pressure again, like a disorder that seems to attack. You know, that doesn't seem to it statistically is proven to uh, affect African Americans more often than. Than the general population, which is really weird. I mean, that's something that hopefully you know they'll crack the code on that. You know, in the next few years here. Yeah, there's, there's, like you said, it, it's strange because they don't really know exactly why. But like you said, it, it's statistically proven that you know, obviously, we're not saying every black person has high blood pressure, but the black population suffers from high blood pressure and those kind of cardiovascular issues at higher rates than other populations for some reason. Yeah, I was, I was thinking about that earlier, like from an evolutionary standpoint, how that even makes sense. I mean, it's something to look into, but just probably not the best subject for an uh, entertainment podcast. <laughs> right. We get serious on Massive Late. We, hey, we crack and the code. And a very special Massive Late fee. We crack the code on 
on uh, Uncle Buck last week. Maybe we can figure this out this week. What if if we kept going, we did? <laughs> you want to bore anybody? <laughs> Fuck it. Let science figure that one out. <laughs> the last bit of news I have today is controversial for, <laughs> I, I guess, some people. I don't care about it at all. But it is being speculated that in the new Sonic movie, Sonic the Hedgehog is an alien, which apparently is big news for fans of uh, Sonic the Hedgehog. You know, I think that might actually be because uh, my daughter really likes Sonic the Hedgehog, um, and she was reading a book about him, and he was like in outer space. I'm like, that's weird. You know, it's like an older book. It's not brand new or anything. So I wonder if like that actually is what it is like in the i mean because i've never i'm not eric stoner i'm not you know diving into sonic the hedgehog lore right. I, you know, I don't really care about his backstory or his fucking friend i just want to play the game but a lot of these like things like pokemon and like and, and as eric stoner uh aptly showed us uh, magic the gathering have a rich and deep history that i could not care less about yeah i mean what see you're sorry go ahead no i was just gonna say in the original in the original video game from what i read uh, he was supposed to be born on Earth, I think in Nebraska, in some small town. But as you pointed out, maybe in, you know, the expanded universe that I didn't even know existed of Sonic the Hedgehog, maybe they branched it out into into him being an alien. The reason people think that is because in the trailer that they just released, he says something to the effect of, I'm going to have to save your planet instead of the planet or our planet. How do they even know you're talking about our planet? Uh, no, I think he's on Earth when he says that, and he's talking to some gotcha. human. I don't give a fuck. Who cares? I don't either. <laughs> but, you know, the internet... I mean, sometimes, sometimes the alien looks like a hot guy. Sometimes it looks like a hedgehog. You can't control these things. Exactly. I do like that there's people who are like... Uh, like, they're fine with everything else about Sonic the Hedgehog. Oh, he's blue. He can run at super... Sonic speeds, he's anthropomorphic, he has a friend who's a fox. Whoa, whoa, from a different uh, planet, hold on there. <laughs> it's Isn't like, that, in a way, a subtle form of racism? Yeah, exactly. Like, you, only like, you only like magic hedgehogs from Earth? I was just thinking that. It's like, uh, no, no, it's like no, uh, no female superheroes or no uh, people of color being superheroes. Like, only, only human uh, magic superheroes in our movies. Yeah, I don't know. Oh God! But uh, if 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 I could find the people that were upset about this, and I could put them all on a spacecraft and launch it to the sun, <laughs> well, draw your own conclusions. For I would love to talk to them. I'll tell you that much. You know, I bet it's a surprisingly large amount of people too. Like it's probably way more than it should be. If you're a listener out there that hates that Sonic the Hedgehog is alien, let us know. And then unsubscribe. You, 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 you probably can't use email if you think that. I mean, <laughs> I don't know how. Maybe look us up in the phone book, Massive Late Fee in the Yellow Pages. Yeah, there you go. Good I, luck with that. I love I love pissing off sections of the fan base and just whittling it down farther and farther. I'm fine. I'm, I'm more than happy with that. If you don't like what we're saying, just don't listen. We probably aren't the sort of people that you want to listen to in the first place. Exactly. Um, so last week... Unlike Marvel, we're going for quality, not quantity. Right. So last week we had no uh, Culture Vultures episode. Do do you have one this week? Something you're pissed off about? 
Yeah, I'm not super pissed off about it. Uh, but, I mean, I am annoyed by all these... Uh, okay, this is a ridiculous thing to say in the first place, but like whenever I... I, I go to the website yahoo.com a surprisingly large amount of times, even more larger than the amount of people who are upset over Sonic that joke. Okay. It's like, a, I th- maybe it's not even the Yahoo, actually. It's like a, um, no, I think it is Yahoo, because it's like a thing I, I open a tab and it goes to the webpage or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not like, you know, I'm like, you know, hitting homepage and it's popping up. But um, there's like a, I've noticed like, especially in the past few weeks, every week there's like a completely ridiculous, like poorly researched theory about Game of Thrones. It just is so annoying. It's like people who like jumped on the bandwagon the last week, like, oh, this person has blue eyes. You know what that means? Like, it doesn't, you don't know what it means. I mean, everyone was convinced last week, myself included, after reading all these dipshits, that uh, the Night King was flying off the King's Landing to lay waste everything. Mm-hmm. Did that happen? No, it did not happen. Yeah, I saw. I saw one. It, it, it's it's like it's like a it's like a mock draft. They're never correct. Not yeah. even. I mean, if they get even close, like hey, remember back in uh, 05, I got the thirteenth pick right. It's like, oh, okay, you are the guru. <laughs> I. Uh... I saw one of those today and I just kind of laughed it off. I think it was to someone was like, who's going to kill Cersei and someone respond or one of the theories was it'll be Arya because Cersei has green eyes. And that girl said that, uh, you know, she'll kill people with brown eyes, green eyes and blue eyes. And I'm like, yeah, "Yeah, that wasn't the point of her saying that. Yeah, she didn't dramatically say brown eyes. Right. It's like it's like I mean, even though it's been like a prophecy from the beginning of the show that her younger brother, or maybe it, you know, I I honestly don't know what's in the show and what's in the book. Sometimes in the book, like from like the first or second book, there's a prophecy that her younger brother is going to kill her, and like Arya is something going to be why why? Yeah, exactly. And these people clearly like, especially it looks like they often like like make links to Reddit posts. Like, you know, the headline was say like, I'm dead convinced on this one. And then like, well, this is a weird theory from some guy in Reddit. And then the person who writes the article clearly is not familiar with like the, the show at all because they don't even, you don't even know what they're talking. They don't even understand what they're talking about. Right. They're just like poorly rephrasing like some idiots like posts on Reddit that they just like, eh, no one else posted this one yet. Right. Exactly. Because they know, like, they have like a page like Yahoo that your new tab opens to, and then people see Game of Thrones and some idiots with way too much time in their hands, like myself, will uh, go look at it and then be angry. Oh, I love it! And then we'll rant about it on a on a podcast and make our own content. Yes. Oh, all right. So they're very annoying, though. I'm gonna I'm gonna mix things up a little bit since you. I, I don't want to make you do two things in a row. So I'm gonna go right into educating Mike. Now, today, if you've seen the the title of this episode, you'll know we're talking about games Game of Thrones. For all of you Narcos fans out there that enjoyed our our first episode look at Narcos, we are getting back to Narcos, but we're suspending it for Game of Thrones because the either the episodes are, you know, getting longer and there's just way too much to talk about to try to fit Narcos into the same episode we talk about Game of Thrones. So until Game of yeah, Thrones is over... And so far, Narcos is such a good show that I just have to respect it and give it the proper amount of time it deserves. You know, we can't just, like, rush through both of them and give you, you know, half of each. It's, you know, it's I think Narcos is... It's not, like, some shit movie, like, you know, that third frontier or whatever. Yeah. It, seems like, it seems so far like a decent show, so I'd like to, you know, kind of, like give a nice long review of it. So just rushing through. And Ex- I, I'm exactly. 
Yeah, I agree. So we're, we're just going to do Game of Thrones until Game of Thrones is over. Uh, but since we're doing Game of Thrones, I decided to find a fantasy slash sci-fi-ish film, even though Game of Thrones is not exactly fantasy. As you pointed out, it's light fantasy. Yes, it would say light fantasy for sure, which is why I like it. But I uh, picked... Like my fantasy, like my bondage. <laughs> light and pleasant. And usually not at all. But I picked uh, Dungeons and Dragons, the 2000 film from uh, Court, or from uh, oh, yeah, Courtney Solomon. Have you, have you seen or even heard of this film? You know what? I think this segment is going to be called Educating Mark because I have seen this movie and I remember it pretty well. Okay. So it was pretty poorly received. I have not seen it, although I am familiar with the game Dungeons and Dragons. And uh, it stars uh, Justin Whalen, Marlon Wayans, Thora Birch, Zoe McClellan, Kristen Wilson, and Bruce Payne and Jeremy Irons. Yeah, Jeremy Irons is in this fucking movie. <laughs> so I'm not going to go through the whole plot. Because whoever wrote this is a super fan, and this is long. But I'll go through some of the yeah, plots. Yeah, I, I don't... Uh, go ahead. It's it's not worth being a super fan of. Let's just say that. The Empire of Izmir has long been a divided land ruled by the, the mages, an elite group of warlocks. An evil mage named Profion creates a magical scepter that can allow him to control gold dragons... But his attempt to control a captive one fails, and he is forced to kill it. So I guess it didn't really work that well. As he begins to make, to make new plans, the dragon bleeds into the river, causing it to catch fire, which many inhabitants notice, including a pair of teenage thieves, Ridley, and his best friend, Snails. Uh, Marlon Wade is like 30 in this movie, so I had no idea he was supposed to even be a teenager. <laughs> is he Snails or Ridley? Come on, Mark. You know how Hollywood works. Okay, so he's Ridley. <laughs> Later, Profion and the Council, no no explanation what the Council is, discuss about the controversial views of Empress Savina, who wants to give rights to non-mages in his sphere. So it's about racism. When the Council threatens to confiscate the scepter that allows her to control gold dragons, but it failed! She decides to seek the Rod of Sarvril, which controls red dragons. So this controls Hannibal Lecter? Or no, that guy that came before Hannibal Lecter. Francis Dolride. Yeah. Uh, no, red dragons is, is... I'm not a huge Dungeons & Dragons fan. I've, I'm a big fan of role-playing games. Just not that one in particular. I believe red dragons are the most powerful dragons in the game. Gold okay. dragons are like shit dragons, though. They're like a class called... Uh, Metallic, I think is what they are. Because they have like, you know, colors and they have some of their gems. I don't think the, the metallic ones are all that great. Shit dragons. So a lot of other stuff happens. And then uh, I really don't want to read the rest of this. Uh, Ridley laser later vits, visits Snail's grave. Well, in the part I skipped, Snail's dies. With, <laughs> that, might, that might have been an important part. With Nord But surprisingly, it wasn't. With Norda, Marina, and Elwood, and plays tribute to his fallen comrade when he places the Eye of the Dragon. Oh, so it's a Stephen King crossover. 
on the grave. <laughs> Snails' name disappears, and Norda tells Ridley not to question his abilities. Norda then uses the eyes of the dragon to transport Ridley to another place in the world where your friend awaits you, along with herself, Marina, and Elwood. And that's the la- that's the end of the film. Yeah, this was a shit movie. I don't even know why I went and saw it. So what do you remember about it? I remember Marlon Wayans and the other guy. Um, this movie had a surprisingly good cast. I mean, at least as far as like, you know, for their roles. Jeremy Irons is actually very good in this. He's like an evil wizard guy. Um, and then there's, I, I, I don't remember his name. Um, you know the movie The Mummy? Mm-hmm. He played The Mummy, that guy. Okay. He, was in, he was in 24, too. He's, he's a pretty good actor. He was in this as well. Yeah, Marlon he was good. in 24. Yeah, and he was good in this, but the movie, it was just like, compl- I don't even understand what they're trying to do with this movie. Like, from what little I know about Dungeons and Dragons, like, the setting was not exactly, it, it didn't make sense. To, like, it, I, I don't understand the appeal this movie would have to a Dungeons and Dragons fan, other than having the title Dungeons and Dragons. And it was like a big tie-in, too, because like, there's a magazine my friend Matt had, I think it's like called Dragon or something like that. It's like the, it's like the same company, at least at the time, that did Dungeons and Dragons. Um, they actually like, had all the characters in there, and they had them statted out. They had magic items and all the stuff. It was like really, obviously, some like you know deep ties to the movie, but it just had really nothing to do with Dungeons and Dragons. It, they just call it generic fantasy movie number six. You know that that's all this really was. Right. Like I wonder if it initially was even a Dungeons and Dragons movie. Like if they're like, ah, fuck, what are we gonna do with this piece of shit with Marlon Wayans? <laughs> Let's get Wizards of the Coast in on this. Is that is that who it was at the time? Because I I know they went through a few changes in ownership, and I don't even know Hasbro might own them now. I really don't know. I think that's that's who it said uh, produced it was Wizards of the Coast. So okay, yeah, that would probably be that's weird. That's uh, were they behind that then? Uh, no, I don't. I think they, they just. Were. I think they just gave the rights. I like. Oh, I see. I they think they got produced for the yeah, business they, transaction. Exactly, they got producer credit because I think they probably got. Well, they would have gotten a percentage of the gross had it made any money. Yeah, I know. I can't imagine this movie had made any money. It was made for forty-four point eight million dollars, and it made thirty-three point seven million dollars. Oh wow! I don't. I don't know what they spent all that uh, money on. It definitely wasn't uh, quality or good special effects. So here's the parents' guide for Dungeons and Dragons. I think, I think about forty million of that probably went to uh, Jeremy Irons. Yeah. And it still wasn't uh, worth it to him. Sex and nudity, according to the parents' guide. There are two instances. Uh, a man smacks Marina's butt. I don't... I guess. I mean, that's... Sex and nudity seems to be such a... a it's neither sex nor nudity. Yeah, it seems to be such a like large category for this parents' Unless guide. Unless sex like, means like sexual situations. Like, you know, like some of the rating systems like are like, oh, watch out, there's sexual situations. Right. Human beings are acting like human beings in this yeah, movie. Which, which to some of us is a surprisingly wide uh, criteria. Uh, the other one is some sexual innuendo and a little flirting. <laughs> you gotta watch out for the flirting. Uh, one kiss. A female elf wears a metal breastplate with accentuated breasts and a very brief scene of fleeting cleavage. What does that mean? I don't know. It almost sounds wistful. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, it's fleeting cleavage. Oh, it's, it's like a, a store that will open in like 10 years that has like old like paper pornographic magazines for the old people who never adapted to the internet. 
<laughs> yeah, then you'll like rent them out like a library, but each time like the paper will fade or you know other things will damage the paper. <laughs> so the cleavage will be fleeting. <laughs> oh, we gotta open that store. Oh, Oof. violence and gore is moderate. Uh, legions of dragons attack. They are shown flying and spitting out fireballs. One man is engulfed in flames when a fireball hits him. Some dragons of apparently different hue <laughs> chase and fight each other. <laughs> I love they don't they don't understand the film at all. And I guess may, was it hard to see? <laughs> apparently different hue chase and fight each other. <laughs> One dragon is shot with a huge arrow and drops down, eventually being impaled on the uh, spiral of a minaret. A dragon gobbles up a man whole. The scene is quick, dark, and murky, so not much is evident. Another dragon is killed when a gate with pointy thingies at the bottom... (laughs) When a gate with pointy thingies at the bottom comes down hard on him, his blood oozes copiously, flowing down several steps. This person knows the word copiously... But has to write a gate with pointy thingies at the bottom. <laughs> they didn't want to get too graphic. Oh, God. You oh. don't want their description to be so graphic that it would offend somebody. Yeah. There are several... You mean blades? No. <laughs> there are several fights, most involving fists and kicks, and a few with swords, torches, and sticks. You know what would be fun? We should start this uh, this new segment. What if we just add our own trivia to these movies we watch? Yeah, there you go. Or our own uh, just depiction of like an inappropriate scene. We should do that. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna work on that, people. Like sexual situations, just but there's like a a human on dragon scene. Just why <laughs> would that just be casually like a very graphic? <laughs> oh my god. Oh, <laughs> so I was like, "Well, I think I kind of want to watch that now, just to see." Then they get this put it twice. A girl shoots magic bolts at several men on different occasions. The bolts seem not to kill, but to paralyze for a short while. That's violent, I guess. It's 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 definitely terrifying if you're the one who gets paralyzed. You're like, "Oh my god, is this forever?" Right. No, that's only a little bit of time. It's just a moment. Profanity's just mild. Uh... Mild obscenities. They don't even enumerate them, so it's got to be real uh, little. (laughs) Frightening and intense scenes. There are several dark, dank, and spooky dungeons. And many dragons. (laughs) Spooky? That's the same kind of of person who writes pointy things. You know it's it's the same guy. (laughs) Or gal. Oh, wow. Uh Wow. Uh, a man goes through a maze and is confronted and almost done in by shooting flames, huge pendulums, and rotating blades. So it's um, it's Indiana Jones Part Three then. I I don't remember this. This they were in this place that like would configure your own dr- dungeon. And I don't know if it was like for like a contest or what. Or I think they went to a different. I, I really don't remember this movie this, that well. It was a very bad movie. Uh, we see several skeletons, one of whom can talk. <laughs> what, what, what's that? Under? What category is that under? Frightening and intense scenes. Oh, okay. 
<laughs> Someone was frightened by that intense scene there. In the spooky dungeon. Oh, this movie, this whole movie, spooky. <laughs> there's a there's a skeleton who can talk. Would um, it be great if we could we could interview the person who wrote this? I would love it. That's who we should try to get. And then we could just next. then we just try and shock them the entire time. <laughs> just be if they think a skeleton that talks is scary. It'd be like that scene. <laughs> yeah, seriously. On Halloween, you can see any of that on someone's door. But uh, right. they just close their eyes a whole fucking month. It's uh, it's like that guy in uh, played by oh oh I can't oh um damn it Walt Flanagan in Clerks where uh, where he's uh, Randall's behind the counter and he's like. I don't think you should be talking like this in front of the customers and everything. Right, Sexual right. situations. He's like, hey, check this out. And he just runs away yeah. screaming. <laughs> that's, uh, that's a real person, unfortunately. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, Get on the sun shuttle. So, now, we will move on to Keeping Current with Mike. Uh, lots of people... This is their this for a lot of people this is their new favorite segment of the show. Uh where where are we going on the interwebs today, Mike? Well, you know I like to keep current. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if this is a tabloid or not. It's the Sun. Is that like a British tabloid? I think it is. I think it's a British tabloid. I think like their tabloids are like way better than ours, you know. Yeah, I agree. This like whole... they're more sensational. This whole segment should be sponsored by Google because because all I do when you do this is Google things to try to understand them. Pretty much, yes. Oh, the sun. Huh. Well, I think I'm in the wrong website because it says the great work, Ralph Nader on taking back power from the corporate state. See, I know exactly what that one's talking about. <laughs> me, me too. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Hold on a second. I'm just find the right one. I know who Ralph Nader is. I know the concept of taking power from the corporate state. And I think he probably has some good points. Yep, probably. Well, that's for keeping current affairs with Mike. Right. While we're waiting, I'll uh, tell everyone that you should read uh, Unsafe at Any Speed by uh, by Ralph Nader, the one that got brought him to prominence. About the Corvair, I think, right? This fucking, I think so, yeah. This fucking car, man. No seatbelts, uh, no airbags. Obviously, this, that was not an era for them. But the glass wasn't tempered or breakaway glass. It was just a pane of glass. <laughs> <laughs> so if you got in a car accident, it just came out whole in chunks and could decapitate somebody. Oh, my God. Yeah, it was, it was the most horrifically designed car. If you got hit in the back, the... Uh, the gas tank would explode. It was it was a fucking horrifying automobile. Is it insane like how like technology has advanced advanced even since like then? Oh yeah, absolutely. Pretty crazy. And just how many poor people like you know would be alive today if they only like knew what they do now? Mm-hmm. Like vaccines alone. Yeah, sometimes I think about. I've, I've talked to my wife before. If we watch like a period movie or something like that. I'll, I'll say, God, I don't even know how the human race survived back then. Yeah. It's like whenever I watch Game of Thrones, I, the entire time I'm thinking about, like, first of all, they probably mostly have horrific body odor. Mm-hmm. And then I think I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but, like, second of all, like, oh, I got nicked by a sword. I'm dead. Sorry. 
We don't have penicillin. Exactly. Yeah, I, I really it's really amazing that the human race was able to survive all this stuff before before the advent of, you know, modern medicines. I guess they just they had yeah. a bunch of kids. That's why that's why they had yeah, a bunch of kids. I mean, it's obviously a strategy that we're still compelled to uh to use and it worked. Yeah. So, uh no condoms for our fans from now on, okay? <laughs> that's Propagate. Right. That's right. All right, so the correct website is www.thesun.co.uk. Ah, gotcha. This is definitely the tabloid one. I can tell from the first headline, though I don't really know what any of it means. Um, So let's see. This one is this pedo back with X question mark. So pedophile, I think that's what they call them over in uh, in you know England. And this is an exclusive, by the way. Adam and then, and then the byline, Adam Johnson making regular visits to ex lover's house at all hours, oh. and so and, and then it goes and this part is ridiculous because it says the football pedo all caps the not just any football pedo the football pedo okay thirty one has been visiting Stacy Flounders twenty nine in the middle of the night which has sparked rumors they could get back together. Okay, let me. A lot of a lot of weird shit going on in this one. Let me make sure that this dude is okay. Well, there on his Wikipedia, there's a section that says sex, sexual crimes and convictions. So yeah, uh, in December two. 2000- it's written by the uh, the comment section on IMDb though. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> all of this is too upsetting to talk about. That's all it says. Uh, in December 2014, Johnson began communicating over social media with a 15-year-old female fan while his partner was pregnant. The following he was interested in her pointy bits. Yeah, exactly. The following 17 January, he met up with the girl in his Range Rover. Not not the best product placement for Range Rovers. Where he signed two Sutherland shirts for her. 13 days later. They met again, and Johnson kissed the girl. This is like, I don't need a blow-by-blow of what happened. It's like, this was written by, uh, this was transcribed from her diary, apparently. I guess. On uh, 2 March 2015, Johnson was arrested by Durham police on suspicion of having sexual activity with an underage girl who was 15, uh, charged with three offenses, to which he pled not guilty. Uh, let's see, at the start of his trial, he then pleaded guilty <laughs> um, to one count of sexual activity with a child and one count of grooming. Okay, that's weird. Huh. Not a, f- not a uh, term I'm familiar with. Child grooming is befriending. Oh, yeah, it's... Uh, <laughs> I heard about this... Um, yeah, go ahead. What's that, Brian, Brian Singer guy? Oh, yes, okay. I feel it's, like some te- it's like some technique where you like... Uh, I don't know what it is. It's like you kind of like slowly, like you know, manipulate like a young person who's you know like a something a pedophile like that Brian Singer guy allegedly. Mm-hmm. I didn't know it's like a crime. I'm not even 100 percent sure exactly what it is. It's just like kind of like you know raising them to want to be with you or something like that. But it's weird that it's a crime because it's like a thought crime. I don't know if it's. It might be a UK. Let's see. Uh, yeah. Oh, the United States is on here. Okay. In the United States, uh, U.S. Code 182422 makes it a federal offense to use the mail, interstate commerce, etc. to entice a minor to sexual activity for which any person can be charged with a sexual offense. So I think it's a little it's a little more narrow of a definition in in America, in the U.K., 
it seems yeah it seems to be it seems to be broader a broader definition because here it basically just says befriending and establishing an emotional connection with a child and sometimes the family to lower the child's inhibitions with the objective of sexual abuse seems sort of hard to prove i guess although uh, with the internet um, I imagine there's like an established pattern. This yeah. is a very serious episode of the uh, podcast today. <laughs> no kidding. So, do you like how how, how I, I just rushed? I wouldn't even let you speak to make sure that I, I where I learned about this grooming thing and it wasn't something I did. Yeah. Like, oh no, no. no. By the way, just so you know. <laughs> yeah, that, I don't know that Brian Singer thing is crazy. Like, have you ever read a lot about yeah. like all the? I mean, this guy's up to no good. <laughs> no kidding. The guy's a real jerk. Oh yeah, he's. Uh, I'm not a. I'm not a fan of Brian Singer and his his activities. But I guess this. Okay, or his movies. This yeah. This guy's 31 years old, uh, and he. Let's see. He was released in March of 2019. Um, he spent six years in prison, and he Jeez. he played for a bunch of a bunch of teams for you know football, uh, uh, soccer teams in in the UK. Uh we oh we have German listeners by the way. I just found out today. So uh Vigates German listeners. I know I know some German. Hostu. We know how you feel about those uh Scandinavians yeah, up there. Exactly. Hast du etwas Zeit für mich singen ich ein Lied für dich. Um Anyway, so, yeah, I guess just the one time I mean I'm not making excuses for him, but it looks like from what I can see the one girl they also said that uh when they did a psychological test on him they found him to be socially and psychologically immature but also that there was no evidence that he had a sexual attraction to prepubescent children so she was 15 I, that's obviously post pubescent um i don't know i don't know exactly what the definitions are of pedophile child molestation stuff like that i mean obviously it's a crime and uh hor- horrifying but i think it's different psychologically than prepubescent i guess i hope so um yeah well because you know she was probably a physically developed woman, uh, you know girl i assume i guess and I, I guess that's the the difference um but yeah that's uh that's who he is guy i've never heard of and those were his crimes, so we figured it out. And I guess he's he's yep. gonna get back to his with his girlfriend. Good for him. <laughs> Which one do you mean, though? Yeah, no kidding. Uh, well, oh yeah, that's okay. So I guess Stacy Flounders. I'm assuming that it's the one that he was with before he went to prison. Although the 15 year old that he was with before he went to prison is now 21. So guess it could be her weird uh all right next story yeah, I got some more breaking news for you okay exclusive all time low all time oh this is an exclusive actually oh sorry uh all time low ryan Giggs' ex keeps head down after a relationship with max george reveal okay again i don't understand any of those words but apparently <sighs> ryan Giggs is a person and it, so is max george and the other name you said Yes. Okay, so... you believe it? <laughs> it is hard to believe. 
Uh, Ryan Giggs, ex-wife Stacy, has been keeping a low profile since it was revealed she's in a secret relationship with the Wanted's Max George. You ever watch The Wanted, uh, Mark? No. Good show. No. The 40-year-old was spotted returning from a sweaty session at the gym as she made sure to keep her head down and hood up. Okay. So, yep. There's something uh, going on. The only thing I could find with The Wanted is The Wanted was a British-Irish boy band. Cons- yep. Consisting of members, Max, Max George. Is Max George. Yeah, yep. oh, okay. Max George. Yeah, he's the he's the ba- he looks like the bad boy of this boy band is, group. Is Ryan Giggs also someone in that band? Maybe we can solve this right here. Apparently, Ryan Giggs is a Welsh football coach and former player. Huh. He is the manager okay. of the Welsh national team and a co-owner of Salford City. So it's more it's more soccer stuff. Uh, oh, well, sorry. I guess you could just say soccer is like all sports. So we, we just substitute like, oh, 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 it's like a Nolan Ryan. Uh, his ex-wife is dating uh, hmm. Justin Timberlake. Justin Timberlake? Yeah. Yes. Can you believe it? <laughs> yeah, that's that's the American version of this story. There you go. Yeah, I think we're going to we're going to try and American. We'll translate some of these to American. Max George was born in 1988. So he is 30 September of 1988. And. Her original, or her ex-husband or whatever, Ryan Giggs, was born in 73. So that's a 15-year difference for for this lady. So I, she, I assume he, he was either way older than her or she's uh, she's on the prowl for a younger She's 40. Okay. So she's only four years younger than him. Okay. So, yeah, she's 10 years older than this Max George dude. And there's, no, there's nothing wrong with that. Although, if she was cheating... Then, you know, there's probably something yeah, about that. Yeah, I don't know. Cobble's Crisis. Faye Brooks seen for first time after becoming fifth star to quit Corey. Okay, Faye Brooks. Is that is that a, a British um, a British country music star? <laughs> I think it's an actress. I think she's an actress. Oh, she's... Because uh... they mentioned a show called Corey. She looks... And they were... I think she looks attractive. It's hard to tell. These pictures are really small. But she seems eh, attractive. Not really. <clears throat> um, let's see. She is an English actress known for portraying the role of Kate Connor on the ITV soap opera Coronation Street, which I've heard of but never seen. Maybe Corey is uh, is short for Coronation Street. There you what go. What do you think about that? Must be, yeah. It says uh, you were stressed and struggling to create six shows a week. <laughs> she, she, the last thing on her filmography is from 2018, and it says it's a one-off documentary, Coronation Street's DNA Secrets. No. <laughs> is that a sex tape from Coronation <laughs> That's That seems... Uh, that's not a bad idea. They really need to get on these. Uh, you know how everyone like likes those DNA tests now. They should just like have a bunch of celebrity DNA DNA test shows. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. She was I mean, on, they've done like serious ones, but you know you had to go for like the the lower level celebrity. She was on an episode of The Chase, which is a a game show that I've actually well I've watched the American version of it that used to be on Game Show Network, but she was on yeah, the, the British version. Jeopardy, I think the Jeopardy guy uh, was on The Chase. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he was. Um, so she what was the rest of the story? She she doesn't um, she's quit Corey. Oh, she quit Corey. Okay, so the 
the translation for this soap operas aren't huge in the United States. The, like this Coronation Street's pretty big in England, so it would have to be something more like if I'm trying to think of an of an actress that's on a show that's sort of soap. It'd be like if Jussie Smollett quit Empire. <laughs> Is there any is there anything in that article about how uh, Faye, Faye Brooks started uh, <coughs> uh, staging attacks of herself, saying, uh, "Yes, no. we're beating you up, Faye Brooks, because you're on Coronation Street." You even had that one-off DNA on Coronation Street. <laughs> you started in the yeah, it was Welsh. You started off in the X Factor. Is that like, like a singer or something? Then for the X Factor, I don't know if that is that a singing show. It's wait one second. Oh, that's my first sneeze on the show. Um, laser gun. It apparently it is a music television competition franchise created by British producer Simon Cowell. So yeah, I guess it is a singing competition. Okay. Can I hear something fucked up? Yeah, let's go. Here's the next article. Quote: I love my job. Faye Brooks denied plans to quit Corey just four weeks ago. <laughs> you fucking believe that? Faye Brooks lied about quitting Corey. I can't believe it. How could she do that? I love I, I, my I job. What a liar. Never believe fucking a thing liar. she says again. Good luck getting into Hollywood. Well, actually, I guess there are a lot of liars in Hollywood. Uh, maybe she's making a play to get into Hollywood. <clears throat> oh, I love my job. I'm going to be in the next Avengers movie. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty much done with this because I it hurts my head to understand <laughs> what's going on in this one. Like, I, I, it's like it's almost like reading like a text from like an alien planet, you know, where a hedgehog would send you or something. Exactly. It's like it's like I don't understand any of this. It's all it's like it's like you woke up from a dream. And then when you uh, came back, you were like in a completely different like dimension. That's what this is like. Yeah, I, I, British tabloids are like that for sure. Next week, for you German viewers, we will read a German tabloid. Der Spiegel. Yeah, there we go. <clears throat> I don't feel that that's a tabloid though. I think it's a reputable newspaper. But what was that? Uh, what was that? Uh, what we used to get in German class? Remember, like it was like the German pop. Uh, oh, das maybe. something, I think. I don't think that really narrows it down, unfortunately. Yeah, the something is what I said. Uh, <laughs> da, I don't know. Das, I don't know. Das Kinder. I don't know. I don't. I hope that's not what it is. <laughs> the children. <laughs> it, Adam. What are you a fucking uh, Adam professional footballer over there in Britain? Now? Adam Johnson's favorite magazine. Das uh, Das Bitte Kinder. Oh wow! You uh, you remember his name? That's pretty good. Oh, yeah. Well, now, we will move on to... Well, first, we will do a promo. And this week, who are we doing a promo for? Das Kinder. I got all the... the, I put together the schedule, and I forgot who we're doing. So, whoever it is... Skeptical Skeptics. Here we go. I apologize. No, the Skeptical Skeptics, they're they are a great podcast. We love the Skeptical Skeptics. Talk to them today on Twitter. Love talking to them. But it's not them. They are they are doing Boy Meets or Boar Meets World, which is another good podcast. 
We are doing. I, I don't know if that's correct. Uh, that's what, what'd you say? I think they're doing a different one. So I looked at that earlier too. Uh, that might be. This might yeah. be an old note that I'm looking at. Then I think I'm almost positive though that we're doing the Super Media Brothers. I have okay. so many notes, but uh, yeah, Richie and Cody, the Super Media Brothers, great show. Uh, probably, uh, how do I? How I mean, I don't want to say a little more extreme than, than our show, but <laughs> but they they kind of are a little more. Extreme I don't know that, that uh, pedophilia talk was pretty extreme. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. They they're probably funnier than our show. So if you laugh at our show, you'll probably really laugh at their show. But check out the Super Media Brothers and now we're going to play a clip from the Super Media Brothers. I'm Midnight Agent Raw and I'm Okami. We are the Super Media Bros podcast. Each week we give a comedically informative take on movies, music, television, video games, and much more. Put your shades on and listen to all episodes on supermediabrospodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Yeah, shades on. We're off. And that is the Super Media Brothers. Great, uh, great commercial for their show that we just listened to just now because we don't edit this in later. And oh, they don't oh. edit. They don't edit their show, by the way. They do. They don't. They 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 go full fully live. Any sneezes, coughs, anything like that. I mean, it shows how good they are at at doing podcasts because their show sounds edited. It sounds completely professional, but they don't. They don't. They don't do any cuts. They just one take and done. Nice. But yeah, really good show. I enjoy listening to it. You should listen to it too. Check them out uh, at Super Media Brothers with an underscore, because some asshole is squatting on at Super Media Brothers and doing absolutely nothing with it, but won't give it up. That's pretty funny. Yeah. So if you own at Super Media Brothers, uh, either give it up to Richie or go fuck yourself. <laughs> that's that's my uh, that's my feeling on it. Uh, I love how the uh, podcast has just become you and I just be yelling at things. Yeah, yeah, it's it's old man rants. The podcast. Hey, you white guys. Oh, that is a lot of the internet. A, I think we'd have a different audience if that was a title, right? Uh, but this week we are talking about Game of Thrones. Quite an episode. Uh, the yeah, I don't know how I feel that much happened in this episode. <laughs> the uh, you know they've there's been a lot of battles, big battles. You mentioned the Battle of the Bastards uh, last week when we were talking about this, and obviously this was all leading up to a big battle. This is probably I mean well there well there's probably going to be one more. I don't know if they're going to try to make it bigger in scope than this one. I, think I don't think so. I think, I think it's they've, they've yeah. I think they've said, they've got on record saying this is the biggest battle they've ever filmed, and it actually might be one of, if not the biggest battle ever filmed for TV or um, movies. It's like an hour and a half battle. Yeah, exactly. And the, it's like the movie Rodan, but with battles instead of uh, cars. Yeah, instead of car chases, exactly. Uh, this, yeah, this the entire episode is basically the battle, but. One of the things, and you know, we'll get into it a little more in depth, but I want to say right off the bat, I was surprised at how personal 
they were able to make this too. This was an exceptionally filmed battle scene in the way that they were able to show both the incredible scope of the battle, but also narrow in on individuals and individual moments and character moments within the battle. Uh, I thought that that set it apart from a lot of other battles I've seen. And it, it prevented you from getting, you know, battle weary from getting to a point where it's just, you're overwhelmed to the point of, uh, this is enough kind of thing, because there were, there were a lot of individual moments too. Uh, inside of it and it was almost divided into <clears throat> two different sections and we'll we'll kind of talk about that as we get into it more what did you think of this episode mike uh did you know that during the civil war people would go and like watch battles just like as the entertainment they'd like pack like a picnic lunch and that sort of thing yeah it's kind of crazy i don't know it just made me think of that yeah, I really like this episode. Um, a lot. I know a lot of people complain about the lighting, which I think was obviously just like a cinematic choice. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was I, a lot of it was trying to represent the fog of war, especially like when Daenerys and Jon are up in the clouds and they're stupid dragons. And you know, there's a lot of stuff like that. So I mean, I I, I mean, I I don't love to see it more, but I mean, I think they use actually natural lighting, which is kind of insane for like a you know a show of that scope. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I didn't have a problem with the light. I mean, I heard a lot of people complaining about it online and stuff afterwards. I didn't have a, like, I don't know if my TV's just brighter than than a lot of people's TV, but I didn't really, I could see see everything that was going on. I I got. God, are you bragging about the brightness of your TV again? (laughs) I have the brightest TV in the world. Can we go one single conversation without this coming up? (laughs) Before the show, you're like, oh, I'm sorry. I need to turn the TV down. Much volume now, brightness. <laughs> it's like it's the like sun. A sun. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but uh, but yeah, I didn't I didn't really have a problem seeing seeing the battles. Nope. There no were, troubles. There were there were there were maybe a couple instances where it was a little dark, but like you said, I think I think that was due to a lot of natural lighting that they used, and some of it, I'm sure was to to cover up like if you if this had been filmed in broad daylight they either would have had to spend another 50 million dollars to make it look really good or it's got to be a little dark because (laughs) you can hide some things in the dark so i think i think they spent a ton of money on this on this episode but i think isn't that the uh, motto of the uh, famous footballer Uh, you can hide some things in the dark (laughs) Everyone's the same age in the dark. <laughs> no, I wouldn't oh, say that. Yeah, I actually felt like at the beginning, like when, I'm like, are they really just doing this to save money on the on the CGI budget? Because it was like it was so dark. I mean, especially like when they were up in the clouds on the dragon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know you're uh, you're a fan of military history as I am. Uh, I would just say their strategy was terrible. Like oh. their whole, it was like the worst idea. I mean. There was nothing good about their strategy. Why would they put the trenches behind like their first two lines of attack? Yeah, I was thinking about like, that. The well, whole they're time. gonna die. <laughs> yeah, I was. If they're thinking, dead. We'll do this thing that requires a torch. I was thinking about that the whole time. The whole time I was watching the episode, I'm like, how fucking dumb are they? Where, yeah, the trenches are way back from their their first two lines of defense. Uh, their lines of defense are basically, you know, like in a field far away from any natural protections. Um, 
and John was uh, was at the uh, the wall when they tried to attack before. He knew that door, which is much sturdier than when that Winterfell, uh, you know, was like easily penetrated. So it's not like they won't be able to just bust right down their door. Yeah, exactly. And when they I mean, started, that- when they started with the uh, the the dead, um, like running at the at the the lit um, trench and everything, I knew exactly what. Like I knew that that was going to yeah. happen before they did it. I'm like, they're just going to pile sure. themselves up there and crawl over it. I mean, I think every everyone except for the defenders knew that. Yeah. And that being said, I mean, the first moments of the, I mean, the battle was awesome mm-hmm. when uh when the Lady of Light, whose name. I can't think of it at the moment um, when she lit all the uh, Dothraki's uh, oh, Rx, God, is awesome. that what they're called? Her, yeah, her oh, name sweet. is M- uh, Melisandre. Yeah, Melisandre. Melisandre. Yeah. Right. I confused her with um, Daenerys's uh, like sidekick, okay. Melisi. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but yeah, that that part was awesome. And then like when you just like when you see the dead charging, that was like amazing. And then like there's just silence. It's like oh shit, as all the the swords go out. Yeah, that was great. Which is, which is pretty ridiculous because Daenerys just fucking wasted all the, the Dothraki. Like, her entire fort force is, like, gone now. Mm-hmm. I mean, at least the Dothraki part. Like, oh, my heritage, I'm part Dothraki. Oh, no, they're all dead. <laughs> Although, I guess some of them must have came back because, I mean, I doubt Jonah Mormont was, like, the only person to return, you know, from that. He's like, well, I'm, I'm okay. Everybody else is dead. That doesn't seem to be very, like, very likely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think there's uh, there's got to be a Especially few Especially because he's old as fuck. But um, yeah, that was especially like cinematically uh, the uh, the cinematography on that. It was that was it was incredibly dramatic and and it was awesome. Like you said, when um, when she lit all the you know all the swords and then they go in there and they just kind of start like one by one go out and that's that's great restraint too in filmmaking because we don't really need to see that that visual representation of all those lights going out like you know slowly one by one at first and then real quick uh all the rest of them that's that's what we need to see and that that sells that that sells the emotion more than even seeing the battle up close yeah i think that bothered me too was with the um just like the whole dragons like that was first of all why did they not just like blow through the uh the undead's ranks you know just like they could like make zigzag patterns you know mm-hmm. or one go one way one the other they could just taken out the majority of the undead force i mean they seem to be super susceptible to dragon fire except for obviously the night king himself yeah i mean why again that's just, i mean it's like you could do the equivalent of bomb, like in dresden you could bomb the entire area before sending your troops at all yeah, that's what they should have done. They should have they should have used the dragons before they the Dothraki charged at all. Yeah, and or even just to lit the area, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're like, well, it's it's pure black shadows over there. Yeah, go 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 ahead and check it out for us, would you? Oh God. And then they just like stood on a mountain. I mean, I know they were waiting for the Night King, but it takes two of them to defeat the Night King. Hasn't Daenerys been riding these dragons longer than anything else in the series? And mm-hmm. the Night King's like, he's like, well, I've been practicing extra hard on the weekends. I mean, there's no <laughs> way he's going to be a better rider. Yeah, it's like it's it's the equivalent of someone who's been flying planes their entire life uh, up against someone in uh, ROTC or something like yeah. that. Exactly. I mean, it's just like, what? I mean, I guess he's magic or something is what they're saying there. Yeah, I I assume so. But yeah, apparently he's impervious to fire. I don't know exactly what that means. I don't either. Because everyone wants to know who he was. I I, maybe I think they were 
I bet Samuel will figure it out and you know explain it, but I think they were just doing a fake out there because like, oh, cool, Daenerys. Like, oh no, it wasn't. It wasn't. Yeah, and you know, every, like they faked us out a lot of times because. Yeah, I was it was severely faked out at the end. I like, I mean, I, I could tell because like it was almost over. I'm like, yeah, I don't think they're gonna kill everybody and they're gonna end it there. I mean, but I just had no idea what would happen. To I mean, I'm not gonna you know we'll talk about it obviously, but it just like. The way it actually ended, I was like, oh my, I literally wasn't even thinking of that happening in this episode, at least. Yeah, me either. That, not at all. That that came out of nowhere for me, too. Um, But we get, uh, so we get a lot of, of character moments with, with different people, especially, you know, they, they use the people in the catacombs uh, for kind of uh, a break from the action uh, sometimes. And, um, you know, Tyrion's down there, obviously. And uh, S- S- how do you say her name? Sansa. Sansa, yeah. Uh Sansa's down there. I love the line. And Melisandre. We we get a we get a little we get a little um like humor break when uh Sansa says that uh Tyrion was the best of her husbands. <laughs> and he says, Oh, that uh that's inc- what did he say? That's 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 really sad or that that can't possibly be true or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> That was hilarious, and uh, it's funny how, you know, even in that situation, Sansa can't help but throw shade or whatever they say at Cersei, where she says, you know, we couldn't uh, get together because of your divided loyalty, you know, the Dragon Queen would always get in the way, and, uh, you know, one of your favorites uh, says, yeah, without uh, the Dragon Queen, we wouldn't have any, there wouldn't be anything to worry about because we'd all be dead. (laughs) Yeah, Sansa's kind of like, like you know how like when you're hanging out with your friend, and they're like, oh, I'm going to, is it okay if my friend from work comes over? You're like, yeah, I guess. And then they just talk about their work people and shit you don't know the entire time. <laughs> yep. That's kind of like Sansa with like, you know, Cersei, like, oh, wow, we strong. Yeah, Cersei was a bitch. It's like, oh, my God. <laughs> Every conversation comes back to that. Right. Uh, but yeah, that's so, you know, we get a little break there and we get more uh, stuff, you know, between them. Did you think, now I thought this. And I, I'm glad this wasn't the case, at least on one end. Um, when, you know, later in the Tyrion bat- and Sansa, yeah, late, were standing there later in the battle, the you know, like the defenses are getting breached and everything, and the dead are coming down to the the catacombs, and they're hiding behind you know this uh, pillar, not pillar, a pillar, yeah. but yeah, something like that. And she pulls out that the knife. I thought they were gonna. I thought they were gonna kill themselves. That's what I thought too. And that was actually kind of a callback to I think it was season two, the uh, Battle of the Blackwater, mm-hmm. when um, Cersei and her son, uh, I think it's Tommen, is who it is. Mm-hmm. She's about to poison him and then herself. Yeah, it's like you know, it's like I mean, they legitimately were about to do that, but in this, it's like are they? I mean, I that's that's why I thought of that probably because of the earlier you know scene in the previous uh, season. She definitely gave him a look like this is a suicide pact. <laughs> What if, I mean, that was a very ambiguous look. So what if he thought she meant to kill her? But she's like, no, we're going to kill that. <laughs> he just takes, just grabs the knife out of her hand and just stabs her. She's like, what the <laughs> hell? What, what the look? I thought this was meant. This is why we're not married anymore. <laughs> I wanted to be blood brothers. Oh, <laughs> uh, but yeah. Um, so Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, one of the first uh, deaths we have in the scene is uh, Ed. He's, I think he's the captain of the East Watch. Yeah. The, uh, it's watch, night watches, um, you know, ships and that kind of stuff. 
he was, you know, obviously we saw the last episode with uh, Sam and uh, John, you know, staring wistfully at the uh, fleeting cleavage. Yeah, exactly. He, uh, I mean, of course, it looked like several other people were going to die during this battle. And I, I wouldn't be shocked if the producers were the ones spreading these dumb theories on Reddit. Right. And because, like, there's just so, I mean, like, there's uh, basically I've heard that everybody on the fucking show is going to die this week. And, like, only a few did. And no, no offense to the fictional characters, but they're not really, I mean, Ed's gone. Okay. I mean, I forgot all about him. He was gone for like six seasons. Right. Yeah. A lot of the people, I, I can tell that they're I, not I guess that important. I guess we can't pilot a ship now. Shit. I can tell that they're not that important because a lot of them that died, I didn't know who they were. Well, Jonah Mormont was pretty important. He yeah. dies when they uh, start to breach. They, they, okay. So the sequence is, um, okay, the Dothraki go out and just basically all get killed. And Sully put their spears down, and a lot of them get their asses kicked. Then finally, like, oh hey, let's light this trench we put behind everybody. Now that we're all dead, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then Melisandre, who was able to light like you know a few thousand uh, are the Arak things in, in the first scene, uh, ran out of energy points because you couldn't light a fucking torch, right? And nobody else could light this torch either, I mean, because there was snow on it. You know, people who, you know, were in Winterfell would have no idea of lighting shit with snow on it ever because right. that would never come up before. Especially not when there's year-long winter. Yeah, exactly. Yes, yeah, so, and then so when they do that, the uh, you know, the undead, like Mark said, uh, they start to climb over the fire. Um, and then there's some – I did not care for the dragon fight because, again, it didn't make any sense. And second, I couldn't see what the fuck was going on. I mean, did I'm pretty sure that Daenerys's dragon got hit with a spear. I didn't see it for sure. Yeah, I think it got wounded. I don't I don't think it's dead, but I think it got no, wounded. No, it's not. And is John's dead? I don't know, but I know he fell out of the sky like 300 feet and then he just fucking walked off. Yeah, that was another thing that slightly bothered me too. It's like, oh, the dragon's dead. Ah, they better walk that shit off. <laughs> oh, man. Um... Yeah, so, you know, they obviously they breach the the first part is, you know, the big battle and obviously they they start to attack the the castle and uh you know, they're they're shooting arrows at them. They're, you know, they're trying to fight them and it's you know, it's 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 frightening because it's almost like it's almost like a wave, just like a wave of bodies. And um you know, so the the battle gets really intense out there, and then we move into the. Oh, we actually, I'm sorry. We I think we skipped over a part. Um, when they're when they're going through the gates, mm-hmm. like uh, for, so I don't know why she's not in the cellar or you know crypts. Uh, Lady um, Mormont, the young the young lady. Yeah. Um, she's like ten. I don't. Know. She's there, and then a, a giant comes in, and a giant um, it's it basically like grabs her and starts to crush her to death. Yep. And in the process, she stabs it in the eye with a uh, with you know obsidian, and I called that like five minutes before it happened. When he's picking her up, I'm like, yeah, he's going to kill her, and she's stabbing in the eye. And sure enough, um, so yeah, that's like another the second big you know character death that you know people would remember. Yeah, that's uh, you know that was probably the most like kind of heart wrenching one, I guess. I, I don't yeah, I see. I never. I know it's a child being crushed to death. Right. I, it, it didn't bother me that much because I really don't care for the character. Yeah, it didn't bother me that much because I don't really know a ton about the character since I'm not 100% caught up on the show. Um, but you know, it's I, I get the I get the poetry of it where it's the the littlest warrior is killing the largest warrior. I get I get what they're going for there. And like with her personality, you know, that's like she doesn't quit. But I mean, 
I just don't care for the character because it's kind of ridiculous. It's like something like written by like someone who's like really into like you know anime or something. Would like oh, and then the child is like yeah, it doesn't make sense in the context. <laughs> Super Mac and Potty. <laughs> <laughs> How much would you laugh if uh, if in the middle of the battle that happened? Oh my god, I would la- I-, I would still be laughing right now. <laughs> but anyway, so- burn, burn, everybody, burn. They are dead. <laughs> so. That like we go into like I said and and it cuts back and forth between these two these two things the big battle outside and then we go into like the horror movie section of the episode where yeah, this show does horror very well like the, I, oh, yeah. I'm not a big fan of zombies but the uh, the whites are just terrifying like the way they animate them like they look just real enough yeah and like they're even the the weird scream they do is like yeah it just it's bothersome yeah Arya is like absolutely kicking ass outside. And then ends up going inside where there's a lot of uh, whites inside in the library. Yeah, like slip through the cracks. There's just so many of them. They're just completely overwhelming the entire, you know, fortress. And everything gets really quiet at that point. And she starts, you know, sneaking around. And like I said, it's 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 a tense. Um, it's it's like a tense horror movie scene where she's you know trying to get out, trying to get around, and uh, you know she ends up getting saved by. Um, uh, the hound, Eric Targaryen. Yeah, that's right. The hound. I think. I think at this point, the the people who do the show are clearly messing with the audience because I mean, there's so many moments in the library where you think the you know the the standard like jump scare thing's going to happen, and it just never does. That's one of the brilliant things about it too is that it, it it's it builds up all the tension, but it doesn't go for the cheap kind of scare, and that's that's part of why I think they do horror so well. Yeah. And then, so you were, like you were saying, uh, Beric Dondarrion, um, another priest of the Lord of Light, and uh, the Hound, who are kind of buddies at this point, are out there, and then they're trying to help uh, Arya escape, or they're really all trying to escape at the same time. Yeah. Uh, Beric Dondarrion dies for the last time, sacrificing his life so that the uh, other two can escape. And this is kind of interesting, because the Lord of Light is pretty present at this battle, both with Melisandre, who comes all the way to the battle. I mean, you know, she's not even on the continent. And and half the people in Winterfell hate her because, you know, she uh, burnt a child to death. Yeah. Yep. And Davos, of all people, like, you know, as soon as he sees her, she's like, oh, don't bother with the execution. I'm not going to survive the night, which, you know, she says right off the bat. Yep. Yeah, she foreshadows her own death. And I remember she told Vary so... Uh, Varius at one time that neither of them, you know, are are going to leave the continent. Like, you know, they're both from like the different continent, which I don't remember the name of. But yeah, yeah the that's one that's not Westeros. Yeah, yeah. And then obviously she's, you know, talks. To, they see they eventually uh, catch up Arya and the Hound to her, Melisandre, um, Missandre. I don't remember the white one. Yep. <laughs> but she's like uh, the. But this, so they talked to her about this, and she's like, "Oh, remember this prophecy?" And Arya's like, "Oh shucks, I forgot all about it." And she kind of like wanders off. Yeah, exactly. And I don't really know what happens to the Hound at this point. I kind of forget his character. Yeah, like he, what he's doing. I think he is. He he's the one that watches her at the very end walk out into the snow. Right? No, that's that's Davos actually. Oh yeah, yeah, okay. Which um, I thought was a great scene. Um. Yeah, we'll get to that one soon too. Um, yeah, I think he's, I guess he's just in that room. I don't know. You know, because yeah, he, he's like, he's, he's completely afraid of fire, like, which you've established like the first time you see him in the series. Mm-hmm. Um, because I don't know if you saw that where his, uh, older brother, the mountain or the mountain that moves, uh, Gregor Clegane, uh, like burnt his face as a child. Because yeah. He like wouldn't give him a, t- 
Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so he's like he's just like he's basically useless uh, when the fire's around, which is the entire time he's on top of Winterfell because uh, Winterfell is burning. Yep. And then so um, they kind of sneak away, and then at this point, uh, shit, I'm trying to think. I know they're probably. We see John has landed and he crashed and he's okay somehow. Yeah, he crashed. He's okay somehow, and then he starts charging at uh, the um, the king and um, yeah. the night king, and you know he does his little resurrection thing, and all the uh, you know all the dead bodies start coming to life, and he's completely surrounded, basically. So you figure, like I thought, I mean. I, I'm, I was pretty sure he wasn't going to die, but at the same time, in the back of my head, I'm like, well, he could, because, you know, because... Yeah, I was on the fence about everyone's death at a various points in this uh, episode. And uh, so, you know, that's when Cersei comes and, you know... Tries, Daenerys. Or Daenerys, yeah. Tries, that'd, be a, that'd be a different <laughs> scene entirely. Right. Tries to, uh, tries to save the day uh, by, um, you know... Uh, Burning uh, everyone. Dracon- is it draconis? Is is the word? I can't. I don't think that's, that's correct. Yeah, something like that. But the word for it's a word for fire in old Valerian. Yeah, and whenever she that's when she first taught the dragons how to you know light things on fire. Yeah, and so she burns up. You know, most of them thought she was going to burn up the uh, the uh, the night king, but she you know she doesn't because he's you know still fine, and then he just you know he takes the rest of his army that's left and and leaves. Um, yeah, this is quite alarming at this point because uh, from what we understand, the only thing that can kill the whites and presumably the uh, Night King himself are dragon fire and uh, basically like the obsidian glass, if that. Right. So yeah, at this point we don't, like at this point in the episode, we have no idea what can kill him then. Pretty much. And, and, you know, killing him obviously is the number one priority because, you know, as we learned, when you kill one of these guys, all the ones that they reanimated also die. Um, So this is another another brilliant twist by the creators because you you forget that if he's not killable by fire, you completely forget about dragon glass because, I mean, that's forged by dragons. Mm -hmm. So you'd think that would have some of their properties, like where it, you know, would be lethal in the same way that dra- uh, dragon fire yeah exactly yeah so it's like it's like and then i think at this point is when like the rest of the episode is basically all just music and sound effects and that was pretty sweet yeah they they really slow everything down and you know it gets they they use uh you know slow motion uh montage uh like like you know longer than a standard montage but you know, because there's a lot of really beautiful tracking shots and everything that they use in it. But it's sort of a montage of things that are going on all around. We see Jon Snow quite a bit. Um, Jon Jonah S- Mormont, this is where he uh, is killed in defending Daenerys. Yep. As you- yeah, and J- Jon Snow, Jon Snow didn't do a ton. I'm like, if you look at the battle, Jon Snow didn't really get a lot accomplished in this episode, and neither did uh Lannister um yeah Jamie yeah they didn't really show him or Brienne of Tarth or even uh the giant Spain guy that much which I mean I those like were top candidates for being killed everyone's like oh well Bran is a knight now so she's gonna be killed but she was barely even in the episode yeah um so you know the, one of the last scenes for Jon Snow is him kind of like standing up to the ice dragon and we see um Bran 
in, you know, like they, they go to him a few different times in the episode. He's, you know, away from the battle, obviously. What's the name of the guy that, that uh, protects him? I can't remember his name. Theon Greyjoy. Yeah, Theon Greyjoy. Um, so he, you know, uh, Bran does his thing where he contacts the Ravens and tries to see where things are going on. He's basically just sitting in his chair. And then, you know, the Ice King, you know, comes up. He likes, he's there and, you know, a good deal away from him still, but with his army and just kind of staring at him. And this whole time I'm thinking like, what's the, cause, and maybe this is because I, I'm not totally caught up, but I'm thinking like, what is the connection between these two? And in the back of my head, I'm thinking, is, is Bran controlling this guy in some way? Like, why is he here? Um, yeah, yeah, there was a lot of, well, they claim that um, uh, Bran was having a vision and he saw the Night King and the Night King like scratched at him in the vision. When he came out, he, he saw the scratch. So he says he's marked by the Night King. Mm-hmm. But there's a, and like, so supposedly he could track him down. And that's what, what his strategy was. He's like, oh, he'll know I'm here. So maybe, I was wondering why he was warging. Maybe that was to draw his attention. Okay, yeah. Because he warged in like a bunch of crows or one crow in like a flock. Or maybe, I guess there were ravens. I don't know. Well, they'd have to be crows because ravens don't flock like that. Yeah. Regardless, um, yeah, and he was like flying around almost like doing like reconnaissance. But I, I don't understand what he was really doing there. I, what I thought was going to happen is I thought Bran was going to warg into the dragon, you know, the, the Viserion that was shooting the blue flame. Mm-hmm. And then he used him to kill the Night King. Like, I thought that's what was going to happen because I couldn't understand really what Bran was even doing. Oh, I could. Yeah, I could totally see that. Especially because they kept flashing back to the dragon. Like, oh, shit, this is going to be awesome. But mm-hmm. that's not what happened. So, um, the uh, the guy, you know, charges at him and tries to attack him. The Night King kills him. Um, yeah, that was like the worst, like, attack ever. Like, the end, it wasn't even like an effort. <laughs> Yeah, he's just, it's basically just like a headlong charge. It's like that Kids in the Hall uh, character. Pretty much, yeah. Just a headlong charge with no strategy whatsoever. Uh, He gets killed. And then the Night King uh, continues to approach him and, you know, goes to start pulling his sword out. And I'm still thinking at this point, I'm like, what is, like, what is going to happen? Like, can he control him and stuff? And that, that dragon theory you know that would have been really cool too and that's obvious that was that's a you know a great uh, that would have been a great thing to do too but uh then aria who you know we at least i kind of forgot about when she just ran off yeah, i completely forgot about her she comes out of nowhere and fly you know flying jumps at him and uh you know he turns around he grabs her you think oh no she's gonna die too she catches the blade as it's coming down stabs him uh kills him all the rest of his troops you know explode like they do into ice and uh, that pretty much ends the battle because you know all the the forces are destroyed at that point yeah i was 100 shocked but it was like i mean that I, there i could have there's really no other way other than the dragon that they could have ended the episode at that point because mm-hmm. But you're pretty sure that the Night King isn't going to kill every single character. That'd be kind of a weird way to end it with three episodes left. Right. Yeah, it was, I mean, I, I don't know. I was, I actually usually prefer the non, like, I like the political aspects. Like, in the first two seasons, I really like the most. Mm. So I'm happy that they're going back to that. I mean, obviously, there'll be, like, some kind of battle and war. But there's all these different, like, factions, you know, vying at each other. So I, I, I think I'm going to enjoy, I, I'm going to enjoy the last three episodes Without the White Walkers is what I'm saying. I'm yeah. glad they're gone. I agree. I agree with you. 
And then basically the very tail end of the episode, other than, you know, everyone kind of looking relieved that, that they actually won or that, you know, everyone is dead. All the, the, the uh, White Walkers are dead and everything um, is uh, Melisandre taking off her amulet and walking out into the snow to turn old and then die. Yeah. Which, like you said, was a really, a really great scene. I loved that scene. I loved the way it was shot. Um, you know, I yeah, like that Doppel showed up. He still was going to kill her, you know, even if she helped because he, you know, he felt so bad over Shireen. Like, yep. he's like, no, no. I... Yeah. She's like, oh, I got this. I can do this. Every time I saw Davos on screen, I was like, "Oh no, don't don't kill him off. He's he's easily my favorite character." And yeah. I like how that's that wrapped up with her and him. Yeah, that was a that was a very satisfying conclusion to their to their storyline together there. And like I said, everyone kind of has everyone was sort of paired with someone that they had you know history or an emotional connection with, and that I think that was part of the brilliance of the episode is the blending of those character moments with the bigger battle moments. Um, and like to kind of look towards the future, like you said, there will probably be one more uh, battle, you know, um, but it, I, I feel like it'll be a smaller battle in scale, but maybe slightly more emotional because I think, I think they saved a lot of these characters that didn't die in this battle to die in the last battle. Yeah, it could be. Um, because like you said, you know, there were, there were much fewer deaths than many people speculated and thought there, there would be. And there's obviously still characters that, that I think, you know, are kind of on the chopping block. And I think that's, I think there'll be some emotional punches in that, uh, in that last battle, uh, you know, of the series. But yeah, I agree with you. I'm kind of glad this threat is gone. I thought, I thought this episode was great. I'm glad that, you know, it, it built up to this. But I am kind of glad that that the threat is now destroyed and we can focus on, you know, the the throne and, you know, the the resolution of of all this stuff. Yeah, and I'm sure they'll throw in something like Samuel will be like, oh, by the way, I found this old book and it said the White Walkers were, uh, you know, blah, blah, blah. Right. Was was that the guy that kept that kept almost being killed and being saved by people that died? Um, I don't, I don't think so. There's, the, I he's he's John's friend, like his scholarly friend. I can't remember. There, there's one dude that was just like it, throughout the most of the episode, he just kind of was like screaming and looked horrible. Oh, maybe that was that was him. I think, but oh. I, I don't understand why he. I don't understand why some of the people that weren't in the crypt weren't in the crypt. Like he's definitely one of them. Yeah, absolutely. I thought he should have definitely been in the crypt because he kept getting saved by people that that then were stabbed and murdered. Because he's like a he's a scholar. He went to the uh, Citadel to learn to be a maester, you know, which like the the scholar. I mean, why would they they'd want to preserve him? Because he knows more about the night the White Walkers than anybody else on Westeros. Yeah, yeah. He discovered how to kill them, you know. Yeah, it doesn't make sense that he's out there, really. But you know, I guess show's got a show. So, oh, uh, right. But, but that is our episode for tonight. Uh, as always, tell a friend about Massive Late Fee if you like the show. Uh, check out the Super Media Brothers. Also, my wife and I, quote-unquote girlfriend, just uh, the new episode of Retro Late Fee came out today. Again, that's on a different feed now, so just search Retro Late Fee or you can go to our social medias and the, the links 
are there. We did the Brendan Fraser uh, Joe Pesci movie with honors, uh, which came out 25 years ago uh, yesterday now, I think. Um, but, you know, it's a pretty good episode, and uh, we have fun doing it, so definitely check that out. Tell a friend about this show, rate and, and uh, subscribe on iTunes. That helps us out a lot. And uh, what else? Go to Patreon. You can find us at Massive Late Fee everywhere. Twitter, Facebook, MySpace, Instagram, all that stuff. I, I'm working on putting up more pictures on our Instagram. I, I think we have like 15 or 16. I don't, I'm not, what? I'm not young. So I don't do a lot of Instagram stuff for our newfound German fans. If we get to a hundred thousand likes on uh, Facebook, we're going to try and get David Hasselhoff as an interview. That's right. Yes, we will. We will get David Hasselhoff. If and we, we, we know how you feel about that already. Yeah, that's right. Uh, uh, das ist gut. Um, Wait, can we, can we quickly agree on something here? Can we say that Dolph Lundgren is exempt from our hatred of Scandinavia? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, there, 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 there's an exception for Dolph Lundgren, obviously. But he, he's an honorary uh, American slash Russian. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, that is our show for the, the week. Uh, you know, questions, comments, we love it. And uh, interact with us on Twitter. Uh, I'm getting on Twitter a little bit more now. I'm handing over more of the day-to-day operations to some other people so I can, you know, do some more stuff on Twitter and, and other things that we're doing. So we always love when you interact with us on there. Um, interact with Mike at uh, late underscore Mike on Twitter. Uh, I'm sure Mike would be happy to talk to to fans as well. And he's the funny one of the podcast. So some, uh, Did I tell you that when we did the Skeptical Skeptics, some guy was like tweeting at me about uh, the JFK assassination? I read a little bit of that, yeah. You didn't tell I, me I, about it, but I read it. I, I quickly ended that one. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, you're right. <laughs> I don't want to talk about this anymore. <laughs> I just don't want to have to say about that subject. Oh, oh I know. That's, uh, but yeah, we, we, you know, I, everyone loved that crossover episode with the skeptical skeptics too. We might do something with them again in the future. Obviously they are good friends of ours, but, uh, that is our show for today and we will see you next time. Bye. See you next time.